0: My happy monday a new day a new chance to find some success in your life we're listening to we are the champions because let's be honest if you're listening to this and you're taking the time to watch this show or listen to this show on itunes you are a champion and i appreciate you taking the time we have an ultimate champion here today one of the most decorated olympians ever she is the first Olympian to ever win an Olympic medal at six straight summer games and the first Olympian in winter or summer to ever compete for an Olympics and win an Olympic medal on five different continents. And she is here with all six of her Olympic medals. Please welcome Kim Rohde.
1: Thanks for having me. I, I, I don't think my hat's going to fit after an introduction like that,
0: <laughs> I swear. <laughs> well, you've earned it. I mean, we're looking at all of your medals here with three golds, two bronze, and a silver yeah is, is that do you think about that sometime, and is that mind blowing to think that you 've competed and won an Olympic medal at every games since ninety six when it was in Atlanta?
1: Well, you know, when you put it like that, yes, it does blow my mind because <laughs> we, we don't think of that. I mean, I, I just like everybody else, I put one shoe on at a time and just uh, I'm a mom with a four-year-old. So, I mean, it doesn't really hit me uh, until I think I'm up there on that podium and they're playing that national anthem and watching that flag go to the top of the and, pole.
0: And they just did that again because you are the newly crowned World Cup right or world what world cup final world cup final champion which you just got back from new delhi india so yes, congratulations so, another one uh,
1: yes another one and i have to admit i'm a little jet lagged but <laughs> hey you know uh, i'm glad to be here and i think
0: a lot of people are shocked including myself to find out how many competitions you go through Every year, I mean, people think the Olympics are every four years, but there's, I think you said, nine or ten competitions or or events that you go to throughout the year?
1: Well, we have four World Cups a year, and then we have World Championships, World Cup Finals, and then... Just to go to those matches, we have selection matches within the United States. So we're gone about nine, ten months out of the year to various matches. It's it's a lot more than what people realize.
0: Wow, that is incredible. That incredible. I'm very excited to be able to learn more and hear about everything. Again, if you are joining us, uh, we are live here on YouTube at four ten every Monday. If you're listening on iTunes. Please share some love, like, comment, subscribe, tell your friends. If you would like to follow Kim, she is on Twitter, at Kim rody and on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Kimberly if I am correct on that. And you can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, at TheOnlyMC. Share some love. If you uh, find some motivation, let us know. If you're motivated by Kim, please let her know. It's uh, good to share some kindness in the world, isn't it, no matter how you can do it? Of course. Of course. Absolutely. So... Looking at your me- is there a an olympics that stands out to you as your favorite or one that you maybe have that's most memorable of your 6?
1: Well, you know, I, I, I'd have to say it's the first, because mm-hmm. you're first in everything you never forget. And so for me, 1996, I was 16 years old when I went to my first Olympics, turned 17 five days before my event. <laughs> I didn't know what to expect or what was coming, and um, that one just holds a real, you know, something special uh, that I'll never forget. But this medal here, uh, it's actually solid silver with six grams of gold plating, and the back, it was the first time they put the event on the back. And you can see a little oh, shooter yeah. on the back. And um, that was the first time for the Olympics. Usually the face doesn't change. It's the back that's unique to each Olympics. Mm-hmm. So if you get a chance to see him, uh, you know, always look at the back of the Olympic medals.
0: See, that's incredible because, and I think this whenever I'm watching any sport, and I'm 28, and so I'm look at these athletes in college and even professionals, and hearing you say you were 16 that is that's mind blowing to think. What was I doing at six? I, was I just went getting, back to high school. That's what yes. I was doing. <laughs> what was that? What was that like going back to high school? It was with life, a gold medal.
1: It was life changing. You know, I mean, it really changes your you know perceptions of everything. I, I didn't really know what to expect. I went back, and uh, I was kind of like a celebrity at that moment, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I remember giving speeches and doing a lot of. Uh, different events, and, you know, it's just life-changing. There's really no words to describe it, but definitely for the better as it, you know, I continued on in my path, and now, what, six Olympics later, I kind of have it down. I think I I know what to expect or what's coming after,
0: (laughs) after the Olympics. Absolutely, and, you know, at that point, people already knew that you were shooting because you started shooting at age seven or eight?
1: Yeah, shooting was something that was really passed down generationally in my family, my grandfather was a houndsman, and he taught my dad, and my mom and dad taught me. And getting ready for, I think it was September 1st, a local dove hunt. Mm. Um, somebody said, Hey, you know, why don't you try the club shoot? And then it was the state shoot. It just kind of kept mushrooming from there. And before I knew it, I was going to my, my first Olympics, and uh, the rest is history. I was
0: say, You, you won, a, won a competition at age 13, an international competition at age 13.
1: You know, I, I've won so many I can't even tell you <laughs> one from the other. I know that when I was 13, I won the Open Women's in uh, American Skeet. So it was the World Shoot. I shot like a three, or, or wait, let me let me get this correct. I think I got a 498 out of 500, and that wow. was with four different gauges and shooting doubles in American Skeet, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then uh, from there, the Olympic coach saw me and said, "Hey, look." we need you and this team come and try the international style mm-hmm. of shooting and it was you know from that score that i was invited back to the olympic training center and introduced to the international style which is what we shoot in the olympics
0: yeah and for people who don't know you're talking about your your sport is skeet shooting which is if you if you ever watch skeet shooting it's where they you know you can do it with a hand pull but obviously the olympics they have a, a equipment where they you yell pull or I don't know if you even yell "pull" at the Olympics.
1: Well, we do. So in Skeet, essentially you have a high house and a low house. Okay. Um, you have seven stations set in a half semicircle with an eight station being in the middle. And you shoot singles and doubles depending on which station you're mm-hmm. standing on. Um, you start with the gun at your hip. And when you call pole, the bird can come out the second you call pole or up to three seconds anywhere at random. And the birds actually come out of the high and the low house and they cross roughly in front of you. Um, okay. And then I also did Doubles Trap in the 1996 Olympics. And that's where you have 15 machines inlaid underground. You have um, five stations set about 22 yards back from where the targets are being thrown. And we only use the three middle machines on the bunker. And you have three different settings straight away and a five degree to the left, straight away and a five degree to the right, and two five degree angles. And you essentially shoot one round of each setting. And. That's, they take the top six, put them in a final round, and that determines gold, silver, and bronze. And, wow. you know, when I say going away from you, the targets and trap are always, for the most part, going away.
0: Yeah. And it, obviously, you want to shoot them as quick as you can because the further away, the harder it is.
1: Well, that and also, too, we're handicapped already. So we're handicapped with the amount of shots. So we're shooting essentially a 12-gauge shell, but with about a 20... Uh, 20, 28-gauge amount of shot in the 12-gauge shell. We're shooting a 24-gram 7-8-ounce load. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, for all the shooters out there in the world, (laughs) it's a a handicap type load, so we have to be more precise. We have to be more on the target. And then, because we're shooting an international game, the targets are actually reinforced with more clay, so they're actually harder to break. break. So it takes more pellets to actually break the clay
0: target. So, for people who are not familiar with the sport how much time do you have from the time that that clay launches to the time that you have to hit you know
1: I've never really measured. that's a good question um I would say it's just mere seconds wow. uh, I mean it's literally the target's going about 60 to 70 miles an hour Wow! Um, Is you know roughly depending on what sport you're doing and uh, you know it's just mere seconds that you have to kind of calculate everything, get on the target, taking all the adjustments of the wind and the lighting, because all that plays into it. Yeah. A, it's, it's all the subtle things that you don't see, kind of like golf.
0: Yeah, and your, your world <laughs> record at, I uh, believe, the 2012 Olympics is 99 out of 100. Yes. Which is, un- I, I've done skeet shooting before. I did it in Ohio several years ago, and I think I had 15 tries, and I think I had six. And to hear that you got 90, I mean, that's, the, the amount of error is minute.
1: Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, it, it really comes down to when you're at our level, everyone's good. I mean, everyone is is a phenomenal shot. Um, maybe I got a little more sleep. Maybe I had a little... <laughs> little uh, you know, extra McDonald's for the morning. Who knows? But at the end, is of is the, that the go-to? Is I guess I. You know, it. it I'm not going to lie Grimm- at the Olympics. McGriddle. At the Olympics, I'm not going to lie. McDonald's is a is a plus. Being a shooter, <laughs> we can definitely get away with some of those treats more than <laughs> other sports. But uh, it's it's. Um, You know, everyone's good at the Olympics.
0: And I think you you hit the nail on the head of it. It it all comes down. You have to be perfect in everything. You have to be mentally strong, but you have to be able to gauge the wind, be able to gauge the speed, you know, just the heck, you know, to have your hand not be slippery on the trigger. There's so many things. Gun mount, foot
1: stance, whole point. Um, There's a lot of factors that play into it. And to make sure that you do it, you know, a hundred times, nothing different. No matter what's thrown at you, I know in Beijing at the Olympics, it was pouring rain because they had seeded the clouds to create rain to to kind of clean up the air. Unfortunately, that was on the day wow. of our event, so it was pouring rain, and we had to compete. This just the same. We we're literally and hit that was with all the elements. That yeah. was twenty
0: twelve when you got ninety nine out of hundred.
1: Well, no, that was uh that was the year before.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So
1: yeah, that was Beijing was the two thousand four and then we oh, had okay, two thousand yes. yeah. So yeah, yeah it, it it was amazing. I mean, each one definitely uh, takes a toll on you. The only time they'll stop a match is if there's lightning because obviously holding yeah. up a metal rod is not a, a good combination <laughs> with lightning.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what age, you know, starting shooting at 7 or 8, winning uh, your first international competition at 13, at what age did you know that you were good, that you that this was something that you could do and really succeed in?
1: Well, I don't think I ever really woke up and said, hey, you know, I'm going to be the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just was something that kind of happened, at least initially. Um, but as I obviously won competitions and did better and better, um, I, I definitely knew that I had the ability and then from there it was just pushing myself to be the best that I could possibly be and that just took one step at a time, one goal at a time and, um, really, you know, like we were talking earlier, never giving
0: up. Was it just constantly setting goals at that, young age, at that young age of being like, this is where I want to get by next year, or this is maybe a goal that I have four years down the line. Well,
1: I've always been one to set really high goals, so mm-hmm. ones that seem unattainable and then just going for it. Um, that was just the way I've always been. Uh, I like the challenge. I like being in that moment when you're in a sudden-death you know, type Competition And it's coming down to either you hit this bird and you win it all or you walk away and <laughs> you, you, you lost it all. So for me, I've always loved those moments. And um, so putting myself in that position, doing more uh, competition and really striving and pushing myself, because if you don't put yourself out there, you'll you'll never know.
0: Yeah, and I think I, so you got bronze in 2016 at Rio, and I think you said that getting bronze is harder than getting gold, because you were in such a competition for that bronze medal.
1: Oh, most definitely. Walking away with the bronze medal, I always say, is harder than walking away with the gold, because when you're out there competing, and you're winning the gold medal, it's so easy. Everything is just, you know, everything is just flowing, Hmm. going the way it should be. Everything is just working. It doesn't seem like you can miss, but... When you're coming from behind, you know you're behind, and you're struggling a little. That's when it becomes hard to try to hold it together. And I know even for me in that Olympics that you're talking about in Rio, Brazil, um, winning the bronze was also a big record, going six for six yeah, and having that on. pressure of you know six medals. And here I am in a, in a shoot-off for all or nothing again (laughs) and uh of course you know we like to keep people on the edge of their seats it's just i think it goes without saying in the shooting sports it's never easy
0: (laughs) what is going through your mind at that point when you're in you know in any competition but in a competition where it is literally you you have no margin for error because it's either you or another person
1: don't miss That's literally what's going through your mind. Not
0: even (laughs) contemplating the thought of failure.
1: No, I mean, you know that you've done everything you could possibly do. You've put in the hours of training. um, You've done all the drills. You've worked to the singular moment, and you've literally put your – blood, sweat, and tears into it. Yeah. It's going to be what it's going to be at the end of the day. And you got to live with that, um, win, lose, or draw. And so in that moment, there's a there's a, a knowing that you've done everything, there's this this sense of calmness that comes over you because you hmm. know that there's nothing more you could have done to change the outcome. And so you just hope for the best and do the best you can, and that's all you can ask for, at least in my case. I can't speak for everybody because no. I know I know some people, you know, still still have the knees knocking and stuff. <laughs> but for me, I get a, a sense of calmness, knowing that there's nothing more I could do. I
0: was going to say, I think I've heard that from other athletes, too, who have been in those stages. And I think I was, I was surprised almost just as I'm hearing you now, and I'm sure people are listening and saying, what? How are you, like, totally calm in the situation? But it's true of knowing... There, there is nothing U.S. could do. You've put in all the hours of practice, and that's what it boils down to.
1: Well, I always like to equate it to, like, if you were standing up on stage and somebody put you on the spot and said, sing the Star Spangled Banner <laughs> and hand you a mic, and in front of, like, a thousand people, you have to sing the Star Spangled Banner. But if you had a month to prepare for that, you might feel a little more calm than if it was just thrown on Mm -hmm. you and so it's i think it comes down to your preparedness how you prepare and knowing yourself and being honest with yourself um eliminating those fears uh if you have any doubt or any fear it'll eat you alive in competition Mm -hmm. so eliminating those prior to the to the match or to the competition so that when you step out there on that line you know that you can hit every single target or at least do the very best you can and and you have this sense of comfort or calmness
0: yeah is that something that you i guess you know especially you've been to six olympics so your first olympics maybe you learn stuff from one olympic to the next and that one of those things maybe that you learn to just know the feeling of being on the podium and knowing what it takes to get there i think
1: definitely as time has gone on i've gotten more and more comfortable in that position and have um become better at knowing myself and what's going to come in that situation to prepare for it. Um, And I think that just comes with any competitor. The more you do it, the more you're put in that position, obviously, the more you know how to handle it and how to deal with it. And so for sure, yes, I mean, experience does play into it and has helped me through the years.
0: I think a lot of people look at it and maybe say, oh, well, you won your first Olympic medal at 17. And oh, you won six now. And it was you know, obviously, it's been a great path, but I'm sure there was pressure winning an Olympic medal at age 17.
1: Well, you know, I think there are different different things in life that come up. When I was 16, um, I just love the competition. I love being in the moment. But as I've gotten older, you know, priorities have changed. Now, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm a mom. I have a son. You know, there's a lot of things that change in life, and depending on what is you know, coming at you at that time in your life um, can definitely change the way the pressure affects you or what pressure you put on yourself. Like, I have to win this, you know? Um, So, I mean, it's just different. I I can't really explain it, but definitely um, it does change as you go through the different stages in life.
0: When you were, when you, after you won in Atlanta in 96, your first gold, did you picture and say, this is a sport that I could do and this is a sport that I could win, you know, four or five, six medals? Or did other people tell you that?
1: Um, I think it was a mixture of both. I think when I um, first made the Olympic team, it was just, you know, the pride of being an Olympian, of being, you know, an American and wearing red, white, and blue and Mm -hmm. USA on your back um, really hits you. And and you go to the Olympics and you get, you know, you know, I guess, engulfed in that culture at that time. It's just amazing. It's incredible. I mean, Olympics take on a life of their own. Yeah. But then as you go along, um, you definitely go, okay, well, this was the first one. Can I make another one? Can yeah. I make another? And pretty soon you start making the second one and the third one. I don't think there was any one person that stood out that said, hey, yeah, you can go for six or you can go for nine or you can go for 10. Um, but it is a sport that we have that longevity. That is mm-hmm. unique in that sense, and comparatively speaking to other events. Uh, when you look at the oldest medalist in the history of the Olympics was a shooter. He was Oscar Swan. He was 70, 70, yeah. 72. Wow. I have a few more Olympics in me. That's, I don't know <laughs> if that's a record I want to go for, but uh, I definitely have a, a few more in me. I
0: was going to say that does beg the question, how many more would you like to go to, or what is the goal moving forward? You've already done six. We have uh, 2020s in Tokyo, 2024 is in Paris, Paris, and 2028 is back here in LA. What are you? What are you thinking for the next? Decade, you know, 10, 20 years? Well, for
1: sure. I mean, being that I am born and raised in L.A., of course, I have to go all the way to at least L.A. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I I usually, you know, just take it one Olympics at a time, one competition at a time. Um, Who knows what the future holds, but definitely I don't see an end in sight. There really isn't an end that I'm looking at at this point in my life or this Mm -hmm. stage in my life. Um, so it could be eight more. It could be five more. I, I mean, whatever it is, it'll be.
0: Yeah. No matter what sport you know, you, you're participating in, you know, for anyone listening, whether it's shooting, whether it's basketball, baseball, you know, hockey, who you name it, horse riding, horse riding, there's so much training that goes in. Talk about how important training is and what training you have to do every single day to maintain the skills that you have.
1: So shooting has a lot of hand-eye coordination, muscle memory, um, trying to do something a thousand times, nothing different. So in our training, it comes down to a lot of repetition. So I go out every day, I I shoot a lot of repetition. Um, I will try to shoot 25 targets of every single target on every single station. If I miss one, I'll start over again until I clear 25 or 10 or 15. It just depends on the day, but I'll average anywhere between 500 and a thousand rounds a day, wow. um, seven days a week. So I don't take any days off if that's a, that. a tribute to a, to an a, a shooting athlete. And I actually probably shoot the most of any one of my teammates. Um, but I, I just, it's what I need to be right in my head so that when I step out on the line, I know I can hit every single target and not have that doubt or fear or, um, you know, the nerves
0: kick in. And you mentioned that of being, being right in the head of it is, it's so mental. It's so mental of knowing you can do it, but then not letting, you know, the little things get in your head of self doubt. How do you overcome that? How, you know, have you ever faced that kind of a doubt or how do you kind of block that out?
1: For sure. I think every athlete has faced those doubts, Um, and that's part of being an Olympian or an athlete is learning how to overcome those obstacles. Mm -hmm. We call them obstacles. Uh, They may come in many different forms. Uh, As far as the mental side of the game, a lot of my teammates, um, including myself, will listen to music. Or have, like, a melody that will that will go over and over and over again in our head uh, while we're calling or during a round to try to help calm ourselves down and not think about those negative thoughts. More focused on the positives, um, that we do this, you know, 25 times every single day. What's one target? Or... This yeah. is just like home, or these targets look like trash can lids, so you hear that a lot uh when in actuality they're very small, so <laughs> yeah uh, you know that's like there's a, that's there's
0: it's like, a... like a mouse's trash can <laughs>
1: so you're, you're really trying to psych yourself for the positive, not the negative, and uh, you look for ways to kind of block out the negative thoughts or turn a negative into a positive to where you're comfortable with it.
0: do you focus on the individual you know? Skeets that are going out, or do you focus and say, here's a set of 10, I'm going to choose the best for this set of 10, next set of 10?
1: No, I focus on each individual target. Hmm. Um, I don't really focus on the score, and I'm really not competing with anybody else other than myself. Hmm. So when I step out there, I'm I'm looking to better my score to do the very best I can and not worry about what other people are doing.
0: Do you think that's an attitude that a lot of Olympians have, that your main competition is staring back at you in the mirror?
1: I think some do and some don't. Um, I know that uh, some of the other Olympians like Vincent Hancock and some of them do. They definitely are focusing on what they're doing and their game. Um, But I think that just comes with experience and also with being in that moment over and over again. Uh, and and just kind of enjoying it and really going for it. And when you're at the top of the game, at the top of the heap of the pile, or the, mm-hmm. the the number one, you have to look for ways to push yourself. And if you're looking back at what everybody else is doing, you don't want to be going backwards. You want to be going forwards.
0: Yeah, there. There's. I think when Michael Phelps was competing once, there was. You know, they they have the cameras underwater, which are incredible, and they they showed in one race, the one guy looked back. And it allowed him to make up like a, a half half of a half of a half of a second wow and to be able to touch that wall because he 's focused on his race and not anyone else's race and I think that's even important in life of to you if you're focusing on so many other people that you only have so much willpower and you know mental capacity and you need to focus on your own race
1: right and that 's really when it comes down to shooting i mean You hear your heart beating, your self-breathing. You're so focused on that target that some of my teammates have said that they could actually see the rotation of the target in the air. Um, Some of them can say they see the ridges of the target. Um, I mean, each person is unique in what they see when they're in that moment. But uh, it is something that it's incredible what you can do when you're totally focused and giving it your all.
0: How young were you, because I heard a story, and I want to, before I tell the story, how young were you when you went to the Olympic training facility?
1: I was probably about 13 years old, and that was when I was invited back from the Olympic coach uh, after I won the world shoot-in American Skeet for Open Women.
0: And I heard a story that they they sat everyone down and they said, write down one thing that you cannot do. And Actually, they had everyone sitting there and... You didn't write anything.
1: Well, yeah. So we got there and we thought, oh, we're going to go out to the range today. And they said, no, no, no. We're all going to a classroom, which we were all kind of shocked to begin with. A classroom? Like, why are we going to a classroom? (laughs) We need to be out on the range.
0: The education comes outdoors.
1: Exactly. But uh, instead, they took us to a classroom and they ushered us all in. And I was one of the youngest in the group. And um, I was sitting there. And they wanted us to write down as quickly as we could all the things that we could not do Hmm. and of course everybody started riding. and i remember thinking to myself you know all the things i can't do well what is that and um i didn't write anything and the coach came up to me and said kim how come you're not writing it's like the first day of school some of these people (laughs) i've never met before so i'm like oh don't call on me like i'm scooting down in my chair Uh, believe it or not in those days i was pretty shy And so uh, the funny thing is, is he goes, Kim, how come you're not writing? And I said, well, because I believe that there's nothing I can't do. And he said, class, stop writing. And about that time, I'm looking for the nearest door.
0: Yeah, what's he going to say bad about me? Exactly,
1: right? And I was, like, really nervous. And um, he said, repeat what you said. And I said, I believe that there's nothing I can't do. And I literally didn't write anything on the paper. And he said that's what makes Olympic champions stepping out on that line, knowing that you can hit every single target and not have any fear or any doubt. Um, and you know, it's something that stuck with me ever since.
0: Wow. Is that, I was going to say, is that, is that an attitude that I'm sure it was just nice being reinforced at that moment by the coach, but that's something that is, is you need, you need to have.
1: Yeah, you definitely do. And I think there's also, um, Some of the athletes would say, oh, maybe it's a cockiness. But at the end of the day, you have to know that you can beat everybody on that line. Otherwise, you know, why are you going, you know? I mean, the reality is, is that you're doing the very best you can. And, you know, it's got to be enough
0: to win. It gets back to that, you know, mental, it's the mental game of that's the first step that you have to overcome before any physical competition is believing that you can do it
1: oh for sure and and not only believing but also training in a way that you're eliminating those fears, um whatever you know your fears may be, you maybe you have a problem with station two, high house or uh a double on four or whatever mm-hmm. um the the fear may be, making sure that you work through it and be true to yourself because only you know what your're You know, afraid of truly, no one else is going to be able to tell you. No coach is going to be able to look in your soul or thinks or or into your head as what you're thinking um, to to really come up with the answer. You have to be willing to put it, put yourself out there, and really work hard and dig deep to overcome those fears.
0: Does that ever translate to you outside of competition? Have you ever, you know, looking at all the things that you've done, you know, athletically with the sport, to be able to have that mindset of what you're talking about? and put towards any life obstacle? For sure. I mean, for me, I I was
1: very shy growing up. I was not one to uh to really want to stand out. Uh, and so getting up in front of a crowd and public speaking was not something that I really, truly enjoyed. Um, and over the years is something that I've developed to where I have enjoy it more and more now. But it was something that I had to work on. And knowing my fears and getting up there and trying to practice so that I didn't have that, uh, so I didn't stumble or pull a miscongeniality across <laughs> the stage. Uh, you know, it was, it was something that I think everyone can, can definitely relate to.
0: You know winning that medal so young at age seventeen and knowing you know how high schoolers can be, and you know there always are critics, and like you're saying you were shy and it was maybe tough, did you have critics when you when you won did you have kids who you know trying to maybe look down on your sport or trying to to i don't know they were jealous and they were maybe taking that out on you? Did you ever face critics? You know, um, I
1: definitely got asked hard questions because of our sport in general, but no, like what? No critics in my from my friends or from my Mm -hmm. high school or people of that age, if that makes sense. I was actually very well accepted uh, throughout my school. Um, I wasn't the most popular, but I kind of ran, uh, I was kind of unique in that I went in a lot of different crowds of people. So I had a very eclectic group of friends.
0: You're talking about, May, hard questions. What hard questions?
1: Well, in in the shooting sports, I mean, shooting um, is sometimes deemed uh, politically incorrect. So we get asked tough Mm. questions. Um, And it's something that, that we face uh as being a shooter
0: Mm -hmm. is it i was gonna say does everyone anyone ever you know look at the sport and it's you know in in all fairness you they look at the summer olympic sports and they think oh they see michael phelps and they think swimming or they look at track and they see usain bolt and they you know shooting might not be the most popular sport is that something that you've ever faced as far as people saying that or you feel like you have to stand up for your sport
1: um you know i think everybody stands up for all their their own sports, no matter Mm -hmm. what. I think Phelps definitely stands up for swimming and and vice versa for gymnastics and some of these other sports. But as far as shooting goes, I mean, shooting is the third largest event in the Olympics. Um, We have more countries competing in it than any other event. Um, In China, it's one of the most watched events in the Olympics. Um, So, I mean, to say that I have to stand up or fight, I mean, I I definitely am fighting for... um, You know, showing the positiveness of shooting and showing, you know, the wonderful things that shooting has done for me, like teaching responsibility and discipline and focus. And, you know, really showcasing those types of things, because I don't think you hear that as much.
0: Mm -hmm. The the will to to push yourself and to succeed and people, you know, seeing that you have won all these medals, you know, six Olympic golds and multiple world championships and World Cups. And they think, oh, it's been easy. We're talking about the training has there been a time where you really had to overcome something? And I know that the, maybe in 2013 you were you couldn't even lift your arm, I think. Or is that is that a, maybe the biggest time where you've had to overcome an obstacle in your life?
1: Well, I've actually had two major obstacles that hmm. I've had to overcome. I would say in my sport, um, one was after the 2004 games, my event was eliminated. And I was forced to switch events. So I was... Uh, essentially told that doubles trap is no longer you either have the choice of competing in bunker or international skeet
0: hmm. so
1: that transition going from being at the top of my game back down to the bottom and having to work my way back up in a completely different sport i mean it would be like a a swimmer uh going to diving i uh, oh, wow. the only common thing is the water but in reality, it's a completely different, uh, different game, different mm-hmm. gun, different everything. So that in itself was huge. And that was something that I had a huge obstacle to overcome. And then secondly, would be when I had my son and being um, pregnant, I had a very difficult pregnancy, very challenging. Um, and what you're referring to not lifting my arms, actually, I uh, I ended up um, having my gallbladder removed and not being able to lift my son uh, shortly, about six weeks after he was born, wow. um, because of a lot of medical reasons. I mean, a lot and, of yeah. things. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, and until just this uh, right before Rio, about a month before, I was given the AOK to walk more than a block. So. Wow gives you an idea of like the severity of things and it took me a long time i'm still in recovery i'm still working to regain my endurance and be able to walk and hike um i cannot have any more kids so i'm done i got one beautiful son that i love to death love to pieces but uh that's it for me no more no more little ones
0: did you ever think at that point was was Ending your career at ever a thought in your mind at that point? Oh, for
1: sure. For sure. Both times. Both times. Both times. times. Yeah. Both times, you know, there's a lot of challenges that you face. Um, But more so the second time, I would say, than the first, uh, you know, when you, there are are things that you can control, like, you know, you can overcome uh, hitting a target or, you know, not doing as much practice or something of that nature, but when, you, when you're talking about medical type stuff, those are things that you have no control over and mm-hmm. it's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah. And you just have to try to do the best you can within the parameters that you're given. and um, That's a different story. It's a lot harder to overcome something like that or, or even to go into a competition knowing that you're not 100% competing against people who are 100% um, so th- there's a lot of challenges there that I
0: faced. So what got you through that time? What when you were hitting that wall, or you you looked and you maybe you weren't even hit it yet, you saw the big wall in front of you of saying you can't walk more than a block, you can't lift more than five pounds, which includes your gun and your son. What got you through that time and made you want to? keep going and to get to Rio in 2016 and future Olympics?
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. I mean, for me, I think my family played a huge role in that. Um, Definitely with them, uh, you know, egging me on, helping me um, overcome those obstacles and, and really, you know, loving me no matter what, win, lose Mm -hmm. or draw, knowing that if I just went out there and did the very best I could, it wouldn't change Anything, And I was very blessed in having that. But at the end of the day, I think it was just my sheer determination of, you know, never giving up and just grinding through it. I, I mean, I really don't know. I mean, it just, it just, uh, I guess I like the pain. I don't know. I just, uh, I just overcame it. There's really no one thing that, that really, you know, you can attribute it to. I think it's just a lot of uh, determination and, um you know, I think when you have somebody, I'm the type of person, when someone tells me you can't, mm. you just like to prove them wrong. Yeah,
0: I think you said standing. You <laughs> you quoted as saying like standing on the podium is addicting.
1: It is addicting. Standing on that podium is addicting. I mean, I mean, it's incredible to see the flag go to the top of the pole, hear the national anthem, the crowd cheering. I mean, it's like the crowd's helping you pull the trigger each and every time. It hmm. truly is. Uh, addicting um, and I can say whether it be the gold the silver or the bronze you still get all those emotions that hit you as the flag is racing to the top of the pole and um, you want to run scream cry jump up and down and you just don't know which one to do first
0: <laughs> well yeah you certainly have a you know more Olympics to go as you're saying you want to be at least be able to make it back to 2028 in LA. What drives you for these future Olympics? Knowing that you've already, as we said, you already are the first Olympian to ever win an Olympic medal on five different continents, the first summer Olympian to win an Olympic medal in six straight games. You know, you have the world record. What drives you now to keep going and to want to, you know, get better and to continue on?
1: Why not? I mean, I guess is the the key word there Mm -hmm. is why not keep going? Um, for me, I guess I'm trying to go for that record of Oscar Swans. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> even though I say I'm not, but I mean the reality is is uh, it definitely is something that's enticing uh, to continue. I love the places, I love the people, I love the culture that I'm surrounded with in all these different places that I get to travel. And I feel very blessed to be able to do, uh, what I get to do every day, which is go outside, um, outdoors, uh, spend a day in the sun, um, shooting, playing targets, spending uh, time with friends and family. And my father's my coach. I mean, hmm. it's just it's it's a great job. It's like a dream <laughs> job. Why, why give it up?
0: Choose a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Exactly. Does it help with your son? Is that motivation for you of wanting to be able to prove something for him so that when he gets to that age saying you can do anything?
1: Most definitely. I mean, I think as any mother will say that they want what's something um, better for their child or want to show them um, by their actions or by the things that they do in their life. And for sure, I mean, that definitely plays a part in me continuing as well. I mean, my son uh, is is always a driving factor.
0: Mm-hmm. What advice, you know, would you give to the 16 or 17 year old you before, you know, obviously now with you're the medals and championships that you've accomplished, but before you won any of those, when you were 16, maybe going to your first Olympics, what advice would you give to the 16 or 17 year old you looking back on your career now?
1: Well, looking back on it, I mean, your first Olympics, you don't know what to expect, so you're nervous mm-hmm. on uh, on going to the Olympics and what's going to happen. And I would probably tell myself just to kind of uh, you know sit back and enjoy it a little bit more, really take in the the atmosphere and the people and the sites and just truly enjoy it for what it is it's a game and win lose or draw the end of the day you're going to rack them up and do it again and there'll be many many more chances at winning
0: i think that's a that's a good life advice yeah for for anyone of you know you're wanting to achieve these goals and a lot of times we think, and, and you know, when you're in your lower twenty, when you're in, even in your teens, when you're in your teens and you're in high school, you're like, "High school is the best time of my life." Right? College is the best. It's not going to yeah. get any better than this. And you think you have to accomplish these things, and you don't. You have so much time. You have so much time,
1: and and to really like, you know, just enjoy it. I mean, I think you rush through stuff, and you don't mm-hmm. you don't really think about, "Wow, I am sitting here with." you know some nba basketball (laughs) players at an event i mean who would have thought that i'd be talking to you know carl malone or Mm -hmm. some of these people i mean i mean you gotta like just sit there and kind of take it in i think you kind of miss that but when you get home from the olympics that's when it really hits you what it is that you've accomplished what it is you've done but really i would say just try to be in the moment
0: with everything that you've accomplished you know I love hearing from people of their definition of success. What is yours?
1: My definition of success would be to be an, um, uh, an awesome mom and uh, an even better wife and just really love my family and spend as much time as I can. To me, that is success. But also, you know, um, not missing out, really being a, what's the word where you – uh, go out there and just try new things and <laughs> experiment with life. Because, as my dad always says, that this isn't a dress rehearsal. You get one shot at it, and you gotta enjoy it and um, really just make time for everything. Try not to, being afraid of failure. Not being afraid of failure. That's that's really a key as well.
0: Oh man! Well, I it, that's. Great advice, and I think for anyone listening, again, no matter if you're in shooting, no matter what another sport, whether you're even, you know, acting or entertainment or business, that it's the same advice. No matter what you're doing of not being afraid of failure, not worrying about anyone else, stay in your lane.
1: And you also have to be willing to put yourself out there mm-hmm. um, and be willing to fail sometimes to succeed. I think that's a big part of it, is a lot of mm. people like to stay safe. And not put themselves out there, and you know you have to be willing to push the envelope, put yourself out there, take the chance, take the risk to see if you're going to succeed. And yeah. I think that's a big a big part of the step. Yeah, the I'm, process. I'm
0: sure you're glad now, looking back, that you know you didn't stop when you could have in 2004 or 2013, and even I the could other stop times. now. I could yeah. stop
1: now and never and never go to the seventh, but. What if I won a seventh? Mm. What is the possibility of that? Or an eighth or a ninth? Yeah. Do I stop now and play it safe? Or do I continue down that path? And maybe I win. Maybe I don't. But at least I know I gave it
0: my all. I love that. I love that. Well, I, you know, you're talking about the the criticism um, kind of of your sport and shooting. And, you know, unfortunately, we. I feel like I want to be able to get your opinion, obviously, on the events that happened in sutherland springs texas yesterday with the tragic mass shooting at the church 26 people dead 20 injured i'm sure you said you faced criticism and you faced the questions what is your response kind of from a gun advocate in response to that shooting and the incident that took place
1: Well, I knew the question was coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Obviously, our hearts break for the families and the victims. Um, But, you know, I mean, at the same time, I would question you. I mean, do you ask swimmers or, say, Michael Phelps about, you know, uh, summer drownings? Or do you ask uh, NASCAR drivers about uh, these drunk driver incidences? Unfortunately, whenever there is an incident like this, we as shooters get asked these difficult um, questions and the best way I can say um, this is that our sport teaches responsibility, discipline, focus, everything that this does not represent and um, obviously we are as shocked and horrified as I think everybody uh, is with the situation and our hearts go out for the families and the victims. Um, When you talk about gun rights it's a very complicated issue uh, for me, I am very strong supporter of the Second Amendment, and I don't uh, view it as a gun issue as much as I do uh, mental health and a mm-hmm. lot of other family breakdowns and, and a lot of other issues that that make it very complicated.
0: What is your response to people who, are obviously, now going to be pushing for you know gun legislation and you know more background checks and maybe you know not? allowing people to have access to semi-automatic weapons. What would you say to them?
1: Well, I mean, when you talk about semi-automatic weapons, I mean, I learned how to shoot with a (laughs) semi-automatic shotgun. Um, So to say, you know, like you, lumping them all together Mm -hmm. isn't really correct or accurate. It's very misleading to people and to the public. Um, As far as, you know, what I would say, I'm actually the lead... (laughs) plaintiff against the state of California for Prop 63 Mm -hmm. um, which, to give you an example uh, in the state of California, I mean it's really so close to get into all this legislative stuff with something so tragic that has Mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. I hate to even go into this, but being 63, for example, um, in the state of California having to do with ammunition, uh, the Olympic Committee mails me my ammo or I would be able to receive my ammo by a a match and drive it Mm -hmm. across state lines, both those would be deemed illegal Um, under Prop 63. I can't cross the border, uh, California border. But if I live in Arizona or another state, I can bring a truckload of ammunition into the state of California. Mm -hmm. So these laws that they're passing aren't really solving the problem or making sense, and unfortunately, um, that is what we're facing. It's just hurting law-abiding citizens. It's not stopping uh, the criminals or... And, issues they, like this. and they've
0: said obviously with the case in Sutherland Springs, the the gentleman, the twenty six year old gentleman, he it was a domestic situation with him and his mother in law, who he had sent her a, a threatening text. So, that is certainly the case. What would be your solution? I know you you are very you were trained. You know, starting at age seven or eight, and you kind of had that education. Is that maybe what you think would be able to kind of solve? Obviously, we had the situation in Vegas. We had this one in Sutherland Springs. There's been so many. What do you think is maybe the solution moving forward?
1: Well, like I said, I think the solution or the... Problem is very complex. It's not any one thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at mental illness, the breakdown of a family. You look at gangs and drugs. Um, You also look at these safe zone areas. I mean, there's a lot of complexities to it. There's not any one answer that's a quick fix. I think that's what everybody wants, and that isn't the case. Um, Mm -hmm. As far as these laws go, uh, like I said, they're only making me (laughs) or law-abiding citizens jump through these Mm -hmm. hoops. Let's face it criminals aren't gonna jump through those hoops at the end of the day but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, there aren't things that that you know can make a difference or can change but you know I'm not an you know, in that realm, to yeah. be able to make those laws or no, to I, make that thing, and I'd hate to, you know, comment on something. You know, like you, I, I'm not up to date as uh-huh. to what's going on in Sutherland or what's happening on the various this, this issue or even some of the the other ones, uh, as it's totally it's so new. I mean, to have yeah. all the facts, I don't think they're all out there yet.
0: Yeah. I think I think no matter what, education is important. And, and you know, like I said, I mean, I'm a handgun owner myself, and I grew up in a, in a small town in Wisconsin, and I was you know firing probably at age 11 or 12 and I think that I think that helps to to be familiar you know so that people know how to handle them properly so it's not as um Well when
1: you go back and you look at history and you look at I think of uh the famous illustrator uh what's his name um you know, when you look at all of his painting, Norman Rockwell's Mm -hmm. paintings, you will see that there is a firearm in almost every one of those paintings. And they have to do with, uh, just a typical everyday average life Mm -hmm. in those, in those days. And, um, and we've kind of gotten away from that as a society, teaching responsibility, discipline, um, you know, safety. Those are things that are very important, especially in what I do. And, uh, I definitely think that it would you know, play to what you're saying mm-hmm. with education.
0: Absolutely. Well, on, on that note, I want to finish on a, on a positive. I always, at the end of the interview to kind of, you know, we we've gotten so much motivation and inspiration, but I love to do like a quiz and just to be able to a maybe quiz? Te- oh, test your gosh. skills on Olympic history. Okay. So I mean, you, is, you, this you know, a, is this an A, B and C quiz is, or just like the, you have to know it kind of quiz? Some, some <laughs> are like multiple choice. Some are, uh, you know, just true or false. And so the pressure, the pressure is, but uh, you thrive under pressure. I, I right? apparently do.
1: But I tell you, this is all so sudden. <laughs> I'm not prepared. This You're is like prepa- that. <laughs> this is like that, you know, handing me the mic and saying, you know, sing the national anthem or something. Um, but yeah, give it a whirl. I'll, right. I'll give here, it a shot. My so best we are, shot. We
0: have, I think about uh, five or six questions here. So I'll start out, I, I'll start out maybe with an easy one. So the U.S. has the Olympics in 2028, which are in L.A., and and they had it in your first Olympics in '96 in Atlanta. But before that, when was the last time that the U.S. hosted the Olympic Games?
1: Before.
0: Before Atlanta. In uh,
1: '94.
0: Oh, sorry. I should say summer. Summer Olympics. Summer Olympics uh, before Atlanta.
1: '90 or.
0: You get. You're getting tips. What is, what is Mom saying over there? What is you... she holding up? <laughs> you can. You can chime in. What do we got? Eighty-four. 84. 84. 84 Los Angeles is, there is you correct, go. With, with the help. Okay,
1: I was like, I can't count over there.
0: <laughs> um, okay, the first 12 Olympics consisted of one event, and I'm going to give you some options. What was it? A is a sprint from one end of the stadium to the other. B is a discus throw. Th- uh, C is a wrestling competition, or D is a chariot race.
1: I would say C, the wrestling
0: It's a sprint.
1: The sprint It's a sprint,
0: and I think I think they did it completely without clothes. If I if I remember back from the original Olympics,
1: well, nobody's gonna want to see me sprint. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna say that right now. (laughs) Oh man, Um, the these are can I can I just say that this this interview went from you know bad (laughs) to like really weird and awkward.
0: I mean, I'm going to give you a, this should be, I, I think it needs one. Who has won the most Olympic gold medals? The most Olympic, well, that'd be Phelps. Michael Phelps. There you go. And this is, this is, uh, I'll close on this one, which I totally don't blame you. I think this is more of a trivia that's completely interesting. What did Muhammad Ali wear while flying to Rome for the Olympic Games in 1960? He was afraid of heights.
1: He was so afraid of heights? So what would he have worn
0: on the plane... A parachute? A parachute.
1: Really? Yes. Really? That's How interesting. How wild is that? That's awesome. That he would
0: have worn that for the entire time while on the plane. And the flight to Rome, too. That's like 13 hours. Yeah. So what's your next? So do
1: I get to ask you a trivia question? Go. No, let, I'm kidding. Say, no, no, no. You got something? <laughs> well, I got a couple. I can go got? with a couple. What okay. do we got? So who was the first woman to ever win an Olympic event?
0: Ooh. I'll give you a hint. What's the, what's the hint?
1: It was in golf.
0: It was in golf. Oh, wow. No pressure. (laughs) No pressure. Do I get a year? Um, I'm trying to think of a golf. I I think it was in
1: 1922, I think. Oh, I... She came in first in a nine-hole game of golf. Her name was Margaret Abbott.
0: Margaret Abbott.
1: Or Abbott or Abbott. I think so. Abbott. (laughs) And then um, I know that the first of modern Olympic games also held a... 12-hour bicycle road race. However, only two contestants managed, or one contestant managed to finish the event, or two contestants managed to finish it, and it was never held again. Something really? of that nature. So, yeah, there's some really interesting <laughs> trivia. And, of course, you didn't ask any of those. Those are the ones I knew.
0: <laughs> but you got the parachute, you got Michael Phelps, and with the help of your mother, you got 84 in Atlanta. So you're Not a champion really. again. What when, uh, when, when are the upcoming competitions So we have some
1: time off right now, um, especially through the holidays, but then come January 1, we have uh, competitions. We actually have a World Cup in Arizona here in the States, so exciting that we're going to be on home. Home turf. That's very time.
0: easy to travel to.
1: Yes, yes. So that <laughs> makes it nice on, on a on the same time zone, which is a plus. And uh, yeah, we're excited about it. So everybody's coming over here, and we're going to have a big World Cup in uh, Tucson, Arizona.
0: Very nice. Well, best of luck on that. And if people want to follow, obviously, how you're doing, they can follow you again on Twitter at Kim Rhodey on Facebook, Facebook.com backslash Kimberly Rhodey. Thank you again for coming in. I think it's it's amazing for people to hear from someone who has been so decorated and won so much of what obstacles you've overcome and what is even you, your mindset of wanting to continue. Thank from you. now on. Thank you so, for having me. Thank you very much for coming in. And thank you guys for joining us for another episode of I Could Never Be. Again, we're live here on YouTube at four ten every Monday. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts as well. Go on, like, comment, rate. We love hearing feedback from you guys. If you would like to send me feedback on social media, I am at the only MC, on Instagram, on Twitter. Again, we hope you guys learned something. We hope that this was inspirational for you, that you can take something away, whether you are an athlete, an actor, a musician, and business, no matter what, that you gain something from this. Go be a champion today. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Spitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com.